0: Oh, man. I promise you no more dad jokes for the rest of, uh, the, the, rest of the morning. Uh, these holidays uh, can uh, be important times, meaningful. Got me thinking early this morning again. Uh, uh, I get up early and study and about the birth of our first child. And uh, my first thought after she was born was like, wow. And no kidding, in a few seconds it was like, Do my parents feel this strongly about me? Like I feel like this kid, there was this realization. Truth may be told, maybe not, given who I am. (laughs) But it occurred to me not too long after that, just framed for me, very personally and very emotionally, the love God has for us. These feelings we have for these kids, which are uh, beyond my ability to describe And yet, that's God's emotion for us even more fully. Limitless. Oh, man, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. So, we're going to talk about the power of words today. Words can lift up, can encourage, can motivate, they can inspire, they can also tear down. And they can hurt. And the power of words is in the mind and the heart of those who either writes them or speaks them; those ideas being communicated. Now, I like words. You maybe guessed that. I think there is extraordinary power in words. So I'm going to give you a few that I have found uh, very meaningful, and these I hope are familiar. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These ideas are the foundation of our nation. I love these words. Uh, You can find great words anywhere, but one of uh, uh, my favorite guys is a guy named uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And I think he had a power and a gift with words, and and you know uh, lots of them. The darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a permanent attitude. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. The ideas, the truth conveyed. Words become the vehicle, uh, the messenger to convey ideas which are important, emotions which are important. Now, I get up before my wife on Sunday mornings. Well, every morning I get up before my wife and I was up studying and she came and handed me a card from my oldest daughter who turned 40 just a couple of weeks ago. Man alive. She expressed some of her her thoughts about me in that card. The power of words. We're going to look at the, the power of the words of life this morning. The words of God are the words of life all of scripture, but Jesus is specifically going to talk about how he's being bringing these words of life. And here's my hope, if you're online and you're here and you're thinking about this Jesus guy, if you're trying to figure out who he is and, and you're not quite willing to, to say yet that he is the Savior, my hope is that these words of life that Jesus speaks will encourage you. If you're here today, you are already enjoying the words of life. Here's my hope. They become even more meaningful. They touch you in a way that you leave here even more encouraged in the life that comes from Jesus and from him alone. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Now, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter, you got to love Simon Peter, always willing to speak. Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. and We have believed, we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So, Father, my prayer is that you will feed us, feed us today. Touch our head, touch our hearts with these words of Jesus. Lord, we're hungry for you. And so we pray that this meal of your words would again nourish our heads, nourish our hearts, nourish our souls. And way we, we leave here today, more grateful, more thankful, more enthused and devoted to our Savior Jesus Christ. That's our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Now The words of life here are coming after, you remember, Jesus fed over 5,000 folks, he appeared to the disciples, and then he gave them this discourse that we looked at pretty extensively last week about he is the bread of life, but you got to eat me. He went all in, you got to eat me like a meal every day. You got to be devoted to, to finding nourishment in your relationship with me. We're picking up the story then, the same interaction uh, uh, is, is what we're following up with here today. And there are three things that I think Jesus and John, as he writes the words of Jesus, would like us to see about the words of life this morning. And the first one is, if you're around here, this is not enlightening, this is not a great revelation. But don't miss it. There are words out there that are powerful. There are no more significant or consequential words than those spoken by our Lord. Lots of good stuff out there. You can find great quotes anywhere. Lots of good, smart people that that have revealed truth that can encourage and inspire. But nothing like the words of Jesus. It is the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. We cannot do this without God. The words I've spoken to you are spirit. They're of the spiritual realm, this realm that is the most real and most important of all in life, but he's dealing with the crowd as he's spoken metaphorically about bread. You remember the woman at the well about uh, about living water with Nicodemus about being born again, and there having a hard time getting through the concrete ideas to the metaphor. I'm speaking to you. I'm using metaphors. I'm using figurative language. But what I'm talking about is at the heart of who God created us to be. There's a physical component to us. We don't ever want to diminish diminish that. But the heart of who we are, it's what distinguishes us from every other form of life. We are spiritual. For those of you who hope to see your dogs in heaven, this may be disappointing. Enjoy them now. Us, us, we're spiritual beings. So what I'm writing about, what I'm talking about, Jesus is saying, is spirit and it is life. It's the meaning to life, it's the purpose to life, it's the key to finding joy and significance in life. That's what I'm talking about. Lots of great dimensions, lots of great things in life, lots of things to enjoy. The Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship, for those that you were paying attention. I know the vast majority of you don't care. There's a U.S. Open today. I may see every shot that the leaders make. God wants us to enjoy that stuff. But in the end, it's not that consequential. He's talking to us about spiritual life. So as we read in the text, some of these are having a hard time listening, and they walked away. And then Jesus went to the disciples, said, so are you guys going to walk away too because these words of life are hard? Simon Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We believe. The Spirit has worked in our life so that we see the Spirit and the life that is in your words. Where should we go? My hope is for most of us, we have seen the life that's in these words. It's part of what motivates us to gather here. Now, again, if you're here today and you're still working through this, we are thrilled you're here. Keep thinking about these words of life that come from Jesus. Now, the words of life. I think this is sometimes more challenging, particularly for those of us who were raised in the church, to realize that they're rejected by lots of folks. Who would reject this eternal bread that if you eat it, you'll never be hungry spiritually again? The reality is most folks... Jesus fed over 5,000 folks. He's walked on the water. He said, I am the bread of life. But most people didn't want it. My fear is that most people still don't. When many of his disciples, and he's speaking here broadly of the group, sometimes we're talking about disciples and sometimes we're talking about disciples the 12th. You'll notice in this text, we talk about the disciples, and then he meets with the 12 in that second paragraph. This is that broad group. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. I think all the stuff he's been talking about. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, he's like God, he's omniscient, about this said to them, do you take offense at this? You're troubled? You don't like what I'm telling you? Now, what is it that they were finding difficult? All kinds of ideas. They preferred, again, Jesus has already told them, you prefer the literal bread over the spiritual bread that I'm trying to point to. You desire a political messiah. You desire to somebody come in and kick the Romans all the way back to Rome and take control of his country. Jesus claimed to be greater than Moses. That ticked him off. Jesus was naming God as his own father. They didn't like that. They saw that as a blasphemy. Jesus said he was empowered to give life. They didn't like that. And then he used, you remember last week's text, bread metaphorically. All these things, they don't like it. These are hard things that he's saying. They're words of life, but they don't like it. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You don't like what I'm telling you now? Just wait. You're offended with this? Now, this is a text that I'm going to tell you I think there are really two possibilities of what he's saying here with the ascension. No critical theology, but I'm just going to tell you in the front end, I'm not sure which way to take this. I'm going to give you both. No essential theology here. But he could simply be saying, if you just read this, um, so you're upset by all this stuff, what about when I ascend into heaven? You think now again, when I essentially demonstrate who I am, if you're offended by this stuff, just wait till that day. And that's a possibility. You with me there? You're going to be offended at that day, but how would they be offended at that? I, I, I wrestle with that a little bit. I think he's just be proving who he was, and they go, oops, I missed this. One possibility may be that, or, or it could be that he's actually referencing the crucifixion by referencing his ascension. And there are three times in John where he's going to do that. And he's already done that in John chapter 3. So if we're reading the book and we get to chapter 6, it could be we go, oh yeah, remember what he said in chapter 3? Tying his ascension, what happens after he rises from the dead and he ascends into heaven, he's going to come back like he left. But notice how he connects that to the crucifixion. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man." And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. A reference to Numbers 21, when the Jews weren't behaving very well, God sent serpents, they would bite them, and they would die. They pled, and God said to Moses, make a bronze serpent, put him up on a big staff. And then when the people got bit by the snake, if they looked at the bronze serpent, they were good. They were healed. Unmistakably a reference to his crucifixion that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So I don't know which of these it is, but I tend to lean towards here's what Jesus is saying. You're offended by all this stuff? Wait till you see me die. This is going to make no sense to you. I claim to be the Messiah. I claim to be the eternal bread. They're going to put me up on a cross, and they're going to kill me. You're having trouble with what I'm saying right now? This is going to make no sense to you whatsoever. So if you're wrestling now, just wait. We look back at all the disciples, those who were following him. I don't think they quite understood it until the resurrection. Anyway, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So don't miss this. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in a few minutes, but don't miss this. Jesus is evangelizing the masses. Who's doing it? This ain't the Apostle Paul. It's not Billy Graham. Who's doing it? And what's the response of the crowd? They walk away. Now, we could read this and go, you know, if he'd just taken a few more courses in in, in how to draw a crowd, maybe he'd have done better. Again, we're going to give him a lot of liberty. He's new at this. You know, here he is. I think there are a lot of important lessons in here, but one of them, when you speak words of truth, even in love about eternal bread... Not everybody wants it. That's part of what Jesus and John want us to see here. One of the implications is we can be sharing that bread with others. Let's not necessarily expect that everybody's going to want to eat it. Now let's keep sharing it, but we got Jesus and the masses walk away. Which brings us to the third idea. That the words of life are happily received by those drawn by God. So you online that were here with us last week and those of you here last week, we know this is a theme that was, it was all through last week's text. Please don't miss. It's continuing. This idea that in our coming to believe, our choosing Christ, our seeing this, these words is the bread of life. We're not doing it on our own. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit, Holy Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. He's not saying we're not thinking. He's not saying that. He's just saying that the spirit of God moving in our lives is essential. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Now, John, as he writes this, wants to make clear Jesus understands exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's happening. There are no surprises for our Lord here when people left him. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe in who it was who would betray him. What Jesus and John are trying to give us here is a confidence in all the circumstances of life that God is in fact working. And he said, this is why I told you, going back to the theme, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. He's explaining why so many folks are not actually listening to him. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They did not like this teaching. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? We've looked out there in the world for Messiah. We've examined the different worldviews. There is nothing that makes as much sense. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, lots of times when we look at the disciples as we're going to go through John, they are not going to be marvelous examples of the response that we would have. This is not one of those. Here, there are evidence of those in whom God is working. Can't come to me unless the Spirit draws you. That's what Jesus had just said. What does Peter say? We are with you, Jesus. Unmistakable evidence that God is working in their life. Part of what John wants us to see in this text, in Jesus, is that the words of Jesus are to provide us the confidence that God is working his redemptive plan in all circumstances. All those drawn by God treasure Jesus. And if you're trying to figure out Jesus, here is my. If you're here today and you don't yet treasure Christ, God is working, or you wouldn't have your rear end in this room. If you're trying to figure this out, keep thinking. Don't hear any diminishing of our responsibility in this process. Don't hear that at all. But if you're here trying to figure it out, and if you're here today and you treasure Christ, there ought to be an extraordinary, unanimous, well, maybe not unanimous if you're still trying to figure out Jesus, but a very united amen, man alive, I am not here simply because of my flesh and figuring this out. Too many disciples stopped following Jesus. What did he do wrong? What's the answer to that? Nothing. I'm going to tell you, when I was a young pastor, I was in the process of embracing this idea of God's sovereignty. I didn't grow up with it. I'm being confronted with all kinds of biblical texts, and my head gets there before my heart. I felt like a failure quite a bit. Living in this place called Meriden, Iowa, I loved hanging out with folks who hadn't yet treasured to Christ, and I had an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with, with a bunch of them. Not that many embraced him. Now, it's happened to me throughout my life. Still. But in that day, I kept trying to figure out what am I doing wrong? Why can't I do this better? People in the church that I'd give advice to, they'd have problems in their life. I actually had, I believe, genuinely good answers and I couldn't get them to follow through. What was I doing wrong? I work hard at trying to figure out how to articulate this because words have power. I am constantly trying to figure out the best words and the best way to say things. Don't hear me diminishing any of the responsibility I or we have in this process. But accepting this truth has given me great peace. I'm actually more bold in speaking about Jesus than I was back then. And I feel no pressure. (laughs) Trying to figure out how to do it persuasively, how to do it meaningfully. But here's my deep conviction. People are only going to go where they decide to go and God moves in their hearts. Now, we get to be part of the process. You talk about a privilege. And once I got this, I think it ought to actually even make us more bold in being about sharing the truth of who Jesus is. It takes the pressure off of us. It's a great place to live. What did Jesus do wrong? Nothing. The words of life are not going to be embraced by all that many folks. But there are some. So we keep sharing them. Jesus picked Jesus. Was that a mistake? I tell you, we get through this whole narrative about the bread of life. Don't miss this because where John ends it is what Jesus talking about. I chose the 12 and yet one of you is a devil. At that point, they didn't know who it was. John, as he finishes this section, says, it's Judas. Again, the point being, when he picked the 12, I've been in discussions with people with, was it a mistake to pick Judas? No! That's what John and Jesus are trying to make clear here. He knew exactly what was going on. So you look at the crucifixion, you look at what happened, never outside of God's control. The point, hopefully, for us as well. Have you ever had this experience where you're looking at the experiences of your life and going, What in the world is God doing? He's drawing us to himself and he's drawing other people to himself. He just doesn't always do it in the way we would expect. And that's really, I think, the big idea here. All those drawn by God to treasure Jesus We trust him in all circumstances. Even when the masses are walking away from God himself as he does evangelism. Any surprise to Jesus? None. So, here's what I'm going to suggest. Jesus' words have the ultimate power. I love words. I like reading. I love reading great quotes and thoughtful ideas. There's none better than Jesus. (laughs) Let's be committed to reading his words. The more we eat of him, the more we saturate ourselves in his words, these words of life, the more fully those words will impact us and change us. Do I read lots of people besides Jesus? I do. I like to actually read Jesus a little more because I find his insights, I was going to say a little more insightful, way more insightful. That's why we're people of the book around here. We do not worship the Bible. Don't oh, We're never going to become bibliolaters. But we love that thing because in there, they're the words of life. It's like better than the Constitution and Declaration of Independence put together. And I love those documents. Extraordinarily well written with deep significance. But they're not the words of life. Only from Jesus. Our words have meaning and power. This is all personal feelings, so all anecdotal. Just feels like to me we're living in a culture where people are freer with their words than they've ever been. Part of it is with texting and phones, computers, there's just this proliferation of words. We are just surrounded, we are drowning in words every day. And so it just feels like to me people have just started saying whatever they feel about anything with sometimes out actually thinking about what they're saying and what the impact might be on others. I'd never seen anything like it in my over six decades of life. Everybody feels like they should share their opinion about just about everything. Discernment, constraint, hmm, not that popular anymore. Those words my daughter wrote to me, precious. Now for we old people that she took the time to write it with a pen on a piece of paper (laughs) means even more. I love the text. I got a file of those notes from my kids. Those words are powerful. Let's take our words seriously. Particularly to the people we love, but absolutely to everybody words have power we're going to speak the truth in love I've known people who were more than happy to speak the truth but they wouldn't have known love if it bit them in the rear end even in the name of Jesus last several years I've seen more of that online and out there than I would have uh, hoped that I would ever see from folks claiming to love Christ speaking the truth but without love. I know those that I think are so loving that they're unwilling to speak the truth. Not helpful. Jesus spoke the truth in love. Most walked away. But the disciples stayed. The determining factor was the movement of the Spirit and God in the process. We're going to speak the truth in love. Those who speak to me, I got, I got some good, good friends that will speak the truth to me. I am grateful for that. And here's what I can tell you. Always has felt to me like it's been in love for God's glory and my benefit and oftentimes the benefit of RCC. I love that. I really respect those folks because I know speaking the truth in love is not always easy. People aren't always going to receive it well. We're trying to figure out what will be productive. As best we can measure it, ultimately trusting God. I'm going to encourage you. Words have power. Every day this week, one sentence prayer to Jesus. Just what's ever on your mind. Now, I'm not saying you should only pray one sentence. You may pray way more. One sentence. It's what's at the top of your mind and your heart that you want to share with Jesus. What is it? Write it out. Think about it. Then the last thing. I love most of technology and what it does for me. I still find it irritating to write out my password to get into my computer. (laughs) Now, the guys on staff have encouraged me we should keep that there. And this is a good thing, but by the time I go through a week and all the passwords and all the passwords I've had to look up because I can't remember what they are, and they all say you should have a different one, pretty much I use the same one. If you ever figure out what it is, you can access anything. This week, on your phones, on your computer, whenever you hit a password, just pause for a second before or after and go, Lord, thank you for giving me access to you through Jesus. I'm forgiven. I have meaning in life. I have eternal life because of Jesus. Because he's given to me the words of life. Father, thank you for working in my life to help me understand the password to heaven. It's just Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. So every time, wherever you go and you hit a password, you go, Lord, thanks for giving me access to your love and to your grace and to your forgiveness. Jesus speaks the words of life. Father, you are good. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you for sending him to die that we might live. Father, thank you for working in our hearts. Our prayer is in our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, the people at work. Our prayer is that you will make us fearless in terms of sharing these words of life with them. Through your spirit, help us to be considerate. Help us to measure as best we can what we think will be productive. But, Father, allow us in faith in you to trust the results to you. Ah, oh, Father, you have changed our lives. And you have given us the privilege of sharing these words of life with others. Oh, Father, you have been good. Help us more and more to enjoy that process. Remove our fears, our trepidations. May our confidence in this life be, Father, may it be founded in this, that you are working for your glory. You are working to draw us and others to yourself. And we get to be part of that process. Father, may it be a privilege that we embrace because we're growing every day in our trusting of you.